The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Speaking, speaking of those debates, let me ask you about something that you said at the debate last week. You used the phrase inside job to describe what happened on January 6th. If you had told me that January 6th was in any way an inside job, the subject of government entrapment, I would have told you that was crazy talk. Fringe conspiracy theory nonsense. I can tell you now, having gone somewhat deep in this, it's not. I mean, the reality is this. We do have a government, first of all, we have to acknowledge that has lied to us systematically over the last several years. I think it's Mr. shameful, Ramos, if, if I may finish just answering, well, let me this, just, is, this is really I, I'm gonna, important. I'm going to go ahead and interrupt you here because, because you're I saying know this, that there the establishment were, doesn't approve of this message. I know that there this, were federal we should agents, be able to talk about this. You're saying that there were federal this is, agents This is important to talk about. This, you this are saying important. there were federal agents in the pad on, on, yes. on January 6th. Yep. There is no evidence that there were federal agents in the crowd on January so, 6th. So why, before Congress, when pressed on what the number was, they didn't say there were none. They just couldn't so say how many there were. So you're saying that there's no, that you have not seen evi- any evidence so that we've there seen were. Multiple, and so we've seen multiple, and we have to do the truth here. I'm going to clarify my question, because I want to make sure that you understand oh, what I'm asking. Oh, I, I understand this deeply. And I told you, I was where working three years the, ago. I'm not there now. Where is the evidence? Yes. Where is the evidence that the government had a plot? So let's do this. An inside job. I, but no, no, I'm going to tell you what an inside job is because I'm not going to. I'm not violence on January 6th. Where's I'm not going to let you put words in my that? mouth. I'm going to put my words in my mouth. And I'm going to tell you what, what I mean by that. Where is the evidence that the government was involved Entrapment. in planning or executing okay. January 6th? Where's so I'm going I'm to give you hard facts. And, and if I may, Abby, I know yep. this is going to be a little uncomfortable, but we're going we're, we're to go through this and you can, and you can, you can push Just back on it after. And you can push back on that. And let's do this fairly. Why did they suppress footage? of now what's been released, 200 hours of footage of shooting rubber bullets into that crowd, shooting tear gas into that crowd. You didn't see that before. You saw what the response was to that. Uh, Now you see footage coming out of actually rolling out the red carpet for Capitol Police allowing people in. Again, the the vast majority of that footage should have been released before, Abby. Mr. Ramaswamy, the vast majority of the footage shows police officers being overrun by violent rioters. I'm going to give you some hard facts. So here's what entrapment is. I'm not cherry picking. If I may finish, Abby. If I may finish, Abby. I'm not cherry picking. To the contrary. To the country, you know who cherry picked. You know who cherry picked. The government that is what happened. The government cherry picked 12 hours of footage when there was 200 hours of footage. Cherry picking was the government, not me. Release the whole thing. And let me let me just finish one thing too, because this is super important as a topic. So when you, I think this is a civil libertarian issue of our time. Gretchen Whitmer's kidnapping. I want to keep. I want to be really clear on this because it's the same issue in the same FBI, same even part of the FBI. FBI agents putting them up to a kidnapping plot that we were told was true but was entrapment. 14, Same thing with the Capitol Police. People Mr. letting them in freely. Many of those people Mr. then Mr. being charged. Look, the government cannot I, put you up I to do something and then Mr. charge you for it. Look, That's wrong. I don't want to have to. I don't want to I don't have to interrupt you. I really don't. But I don't want you to mislead the audience here or I'm at not. home. Abby, 14, I think they've been misled 14. by mainstream media. Uh, I love the laughing there at the end. Uh, She says, I don't want you to mislead the audience. And the audience erupts in laughter. Who's misleading the audience? That's Vivek dropping a massive truth bomb 
on CNN's town hall last night. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. Hopefully all is well with Rumble, the Rumble feed today. They've come under attack, as I mentioned yesterday. Uh, you can get to our live stream at our website in case there's any trouble with Rumble. Just go to trumpetdaily.com. Or if you watch it on Rumble, it's at rumble.com forward slash trumpet daily. If you go to Rumble, make sure you give us the thumbs up so that it increases our rating on that platform. That platform, by the way, that's been very good to us, uh, this program, over the, the course of this calendar year. So lots and lots to get to on uh, today's show. Yesterday, the theme, at least one of the themes running through what we were covering, John 8, verse 32, where Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It is, it is. I mean, you, you look at it and you say, finally, finally so much of the truth is beginning to see the light of day. So many lies, so much deception, so much misinformation. <laughs> CNN, the tagline underneath that video CNN posted, by the way, it says, Abby Phillips fact checks Vivek Ramaswamy on conspiracy theory. Nice try, CNN. In fact, Vivek was fact-checking CNN. The Supreme Court, speaking of January 6th, the Supreme Court decided yesterday to take up a case regarding the so-called obstruction of an official proceeding. They've got something like 300 January 6th protesters in jail on, on that, on, on that, on that much of a stretch. Like their goal is to get in there and disrupt the official proceeding. And that, that's part of the, the, the case that Jack Smith has against Donald Trump as well. I told you about the Supreme Court taking up the appeal from Smith on, uh, on Monday. He went right around the appellate court, this uh, presidential immunity that Trump's lawyers are, are maintaining. And so the Supremes are going to get on that one quickly. This other one probably is going to stretch things out. And of course, the communist left, this, to them, this is absolutely unacceptable. It's like Trump said yesterday in Iowa. They could have brought these charges two, three years ago, but they waited and they waited. They had to make sure that Trump was running for office. And then they brought all these charges. And now it's, it's rush, rush. We got to do it quick. We got to do it so fast because we got to get him in jail. So obvious what they're doing. Lawfare, the Associated Press, it says the Supreme Court on Wednesday said it will hear an appeal that could upend hundreds of charges stemming from the Capitol riot, including against former President Donald Trump. So these are cases actually, actually brought on by January Sixers that, that got an appellate ruling to say that, yeah, I mean, uh, obstruction of uh, uh, an official proceeding, that's, that, that's bogus. And so now the prosecutors have appealed to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court yesterday decides, yeah, yeah we'll take it up. It says here, the justices will review a charge of obstruction of an official proceeding that has been brought against more than 300 people. The charge refers to the disruption of Congress's certification of Joe Biden's 2020 presidential election victory over Trump. It says that's among four counts brought against Trump 
in special counsel Jack Smith's case that accuses the 2024 Republican presidential primary frontrunner of conspiring to overturn the results of his election loss. I mean, Jack Smith's is the one. I mean, that's the federal case. That's coming straight from the DOJ. I mean, the other three are too. The dear leader's behind it all, of course. But I mean, Smith, he's throwing everything at Trump. They, they've got to get him as an insurrectionist. That's the case that has the teeth, they think. And it's not going so well, is it? It's interesting. You know, we had, this is an article we put together. What was it? It was uh, three, four years ago. My father, November 9, 2020, my father says, I don't know, but I would think the Supreme Court is going to have to rule on this election eventually. It's all, you mean, it's all related to the election steal. And my father, based on prophecy in Amos 7, he said at some point, I mean, you don't know how the Supremes are going to rule on this. And it's a shame if it gets stretched into next summer, uh, the rulings they usually put out in the summer, the summer months. You, you know, you feel for those January Sixers who are in jail still, so many of them, for disrupting an official proceeding. Yeah, it was delayed by four hours. They didn't have time to look into the evidence. They didn't have time to examine all the affidavits, all the evidence of the election steal. And then, then they put in all those federal agents, just like Vivek explained, all those federal agents, and withheld, they withheld all kinds of footage. They, they just carefully, carefully constructed this narrative. It had to be just so. The dear leader again, like a Hollywood producer behind it all. Play, play this, by the way. This is from Jesse Watts. Speaking of the dear leader, this has to do with the case of the chef, who mysteri- Barack Obama's chef, who mysteriously drowned. Evidently, there was a witness right there when it happened. A witness trying to get the Secret Service to to act. And then a witness who was later interviewed by law enforcement. And guess who sat in on the interrogation? Listen to this from Jesse Waters last night. And now we're finding out the Secret Service did not perform well the day Obama's chef drowned in Martha's Vineyard. Judicial Watch got its hands on documents that reveal the female companion that was paddleboarding with Tafari Campbell when he died goes by Ms. Taylor. And when Ms. Taylor tried to get Secret Service's help to find Tafari right after he went under, two agents tried to start one of the boats, but had difficulties lowering the motor. So another agent went to get the keys for their Secret Service boat. And then when they got them, the boat wasn't working either. So they wasted precious time on boats that didn't work until they commandeered the groundskeeper's boat. And by that time, there was no sign of Tafari Campbell. Another interesting nugget from those documents was that when Ms. Taylor sat for her interview with the police, it was conducted in Barack Obama's office. And it appears that he sat in on her interview. That's not proper procedure. Your boss sits in the room and watches you during your police interrogation. Your boss, Barack Obama, sits next to the one person who witnesses the other employee's death. Two-tiered standard of justice. At least it's being exposed now because of judicial watch. But here she witnessed the death of Barack Obama's chef. 
and the police come to interview her, and there's the dear leader in the same room. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's just standard protocol, I guess. Well, that's, and you can only imagine the law enforcement officials coming. Well, hello, Mr. Barack Obama. Sure, sure. Sit in here with us. That's no problem. We just have a few simple questions. This guy who mysteriously drowns had been with Obama, the Obama family, for years. And, and you go back to when we first learned of this. I mean, it was all you could do just to find out a few of the basic details. We didn't even know there was a witness there when he drowned. Until just now. Until Jesse revealed that yesterday. Maybe it was written about somewhere. How does this happen? Well, at least... At least the truth in so many of these cases is, slowly but surely, it's coming out. It's being exposed. This is from that uh, article. My father said, uh, I would think the Supreme Court is going to have to rule on this election eventually. The fact that Justice Barrett will be there when that happens increases the odds that the law will be upheld. Trump, as (laughs) the communist left is always so quick to point out, Trump did appoint three of those justices. Now, I don't think any of those three are as conservative as Alito or Thomas, but still, still, they're not Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that's for sure. It says here, he's going to use these events to expose the evil and corruption in America, and he'll ensure that every one of his prophecies is fulfilled. Watch, my father says, These events are going to shock a nation that has already turned the page on the current president. Speaking of Donald Trump, that was written, as I say, back right when they stole the election. And now you see some of these cases, finally, it's taken taken much too long, but finally some of these cases that revolve around the election steal, they're working their way up to the Supreme Court. This is uh, from Fox News um, yesterday. It says, The judge presiding over the case against President Trump and his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election acknowledged she does not have jurisdiction over the matter while it is pending before the Supreme Court and put a pause on the case against the Republican 2024 frontrunner until the high court determines its involvement. So this is not regarding the Jan Sixers and the obstruction of an official proceeding. This is the other case where Jack Smith is trying to hurry it on through the Supreme Court, trying to get them to rule against President Trump's team that he has presidential immunity because he was president at the time. And he can go and speak. He can speak at a protest. He can encourage protesters to encourage their congressmen to examine evidence. Here's this this Obama judge This is in the D.C. Circuit. The other ones, they're not going as fast. The one in Florida, for sure, because there's a sane judge presiding over that one. And and she sees what's going on. And she's not going to just rush it through to satisfy Barack Obama's deep state, the DOJ. Now it's looking like the Supreme Court may slow everything down. Jack Smith, I mean, the lawfare's not working out quite like they thought it would. And then you, you consider the polls <laughs> together with that. It's pretty amazing just to watch this. 
says here, these events are going to shock a nation that is already, well, that's my father's piece. Let me just switch back to the, the Fox News one. Special counsel Jack Smith on Monday asked the Supreme Court to rule on whether former President Trump can be prosecuted on charges related to his efforts to overturn the election results. A federal judge ruled the case would go, uh, could go forward, but Trump said he would ask the federal appeals court in Washington to reverse that outcome. Smith is attempting to bypass the appeals court, the usual next step in the process, and have the Supreme Court take up the matter uh, directly. And as I said uh, yesterday on the show or the day before, the Supremes have decided to take that up. Listen to, regarding the lawfare, listen to Donald Trump. He was in, um, where was it, Coralville, Iowa, last night giving a speech. This is clip seven. You know, I used to treat him with much more respect, but once they indicted me over charging a fake and broken and corrupt election. And by the way, yesterday Rasmussen came out with a poll. Did you see it? It said that on mail-in voting, 20% of the ballots were rigged and broken and disgusting. 20%, that's about uh, millions more than we would have needed. What they did in 2020 is a disgrace. And you notice they never go after the people that cheated on the election. They go after the people that are looking at the people that cheated on the election. Think of it, right? It's a disgrace. Disgrace what's going on with our country. The radical left Democrats rigged the presidential election in 2020, and we're not going to allow them to rig the presidential election in 2024. We're not going to allow it. It all goes back to the election steal. Uh, don't forget, all those protesters, as many as a, a million of them, they showed up in D.C. on January 6th because they said there was foul play because they said they said the radical left stole the election because the senators and the congressmen and women were about to slow down the proceeding. They were about to slow up the official proceeding in Congress, kicking it back to the states so that they can examine the evidence. As it is, the dear leader, I mean, he blew it up. Put all kinds of federal agents in there, just like he did with the fake Whitmer kidnapping in Michigan. Yeah, they had a trial run just months before. And then there's, there's CNN, supposedly fact-checking Vivek last night. And, and the crowd, the cr- when she's lecturing him on misleading information, the crowd, the CNN crowd, they erupt in laughter. Pretty hilarious, really. <laughs> Listen now as Donald Trump talks about the timing and how there was nothing, no indictments for quite a while. And then uh, now there's four and they, I mean, they have to be accelerated through the courts. This is uh, clip six. You know, if I wasn't doing this, if I weren't running or probably if I was in fifth place or fourth place or even third place, this wouldn't be taking place. But we're so far ahead of him and we're so far ahead of everyone that they've done this. And, you know, now they're saying, let's rush it to the Supreme Court. We've got to rush it, rush it, rush it. They could have started three years ago. Everything, nothing changed. They could have started three years ago, but they didn't. They started just recently with this. They started just recently. They could have brought this lawsuit, Brenna, three years ago, right after I left. It's been three years, but they didn't do that. And now they're saying, we have to go immediately before the Supreme Court. This thing would have all been over with two years ago. 
But they waited and waited and waited, and then they saw I was running, and they waited, and then they saw I was hot, and they filed lawsuits. These are very dishonest people. That's called election interference. These are very, and now they're fighting like because they want to try and get a guilty plea from the Supreme Court of the United States, which I can't imagine because you have presidential immunity. But strange things happen. But they want to get that because that's the only way they're going to win the election. It's a very sick thing. Now, we can't possibly know every decision every court's going to make. Uh, But he, right there, he is completely right. They waited and waited. Then he announced he was going to run. Then Joe Scarborough told us, well, he's finished. He can't win. He didn't help with the midterms. But then he just kept rising in the polls. So they had to unleash lawfare. And now, now they're running behind. Because now they've got less than 11 months to get one of these sham indictments to stick. And through it all, there he is. Resolute. I was going to talk at the Bible study segment about zeal. Just a red hot fiery zeal. And that man somehow or another, he, he, he keeps his courage. He keeps his zeal. He keeps, he keeps moving. I loved what he said last night about just uh, staying positive and upbeat amid all of these attacks. This is clip five. You know, I do enjoy this. I shouldn't enjoy it. Who gets indicted four times and has a good time? Who? Who? Even Brenna's going, you're right about that. Right, Brenna? No, it's a be- and you know, one of the things that's very soothing, it won't. One of the things that's very soothing is when you look at these polls, they're the best polls. Uh, the Des Moines Register said it's the best poll that they've ever had in terms of what we're doing with the lead, the, the numbers, the, the best numbers they've ever seen. When you see that, it makes you feel good. And that supersedes all of this political stuff that's going on against political opponents. <laughs> Who gets indicted four times and has a good time? You, you can tell just by the reaction in, in, among the CNN crowd at that town hall with Vivek last night. She's lecturing, I don't want you to give any misinformation or mislead the audience here. And they laugh at her in the face. They laugh at her face. They know, you see. They know. People know. People know. Americans know what went down on January 6th. They they can see the false narratives more clearly than ever before. They know who's putting out misleading information. He's skyrocketing up in the polls. And meanwhile, you've got the Biden dumpster fire. This is Politico. This is Politico. The headline, the most powerful anti-Trump argument in the GOP has evaporated. It's just not working. I mean, in the last several weeks, we've been calling him a dictator. We've been comparing him to Hitler. The... The argument that they had previous to this was that, look, he's he's not going to be able to win a general election against Biden. They're not they're not exactly making that. In fact, there's commentators that are coming out and saying, uh, yeah, he's, he can beat Biden. 
Politico says here, Joe Biden has done Donald Trump the enormous favor of collapsing before our eyes. As the 2024 GOP presidential race heads into the first contest, Biden's abysmal run of polling has boosted Trump and undercut his Republican opponents by hanging a neon sign on our politics reading, Trump can win. He can win. Listen to this paragraph. First, the indictments from the Justice Department and Democratic prosecutors created a predictable rally around Trump effect that put him on a fundamentally higher trajectory in the, in the, in the race. And second, Biden's exor, exor... I can't pronounce it. You, look, you can look it up. It's disastrous, his polling. It says his polling has completely eliminated any possibility of making an electability argument against Trump. His numbers are just so dreadful. It says here, the most salient doubt about Trump among the -the on-the-fence Republicans has never been his policy priorities, governing effectiveness, or conduct after the 2020 election, but his ability to win. They're not, even the the rhinos, they're not out there saying that as much as they used to. Yeah, we, you know, we we gotta have Nikki Haley because... Because uh, Trump can't win. He can't win in the general. He can't win uh, in, in, against Biden. I mean, try, try saying that to Jack Smith or Obama's DOJ. You see why? Just like Trump said, you see why? They're so urgent now. We got to do something quick. It's got to be immediate, the ruling. <laughs> Speaking of rhinos, play the, uh, the Paul Ryan clip from, uh, from just yesterday as well. How will history regard people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, they're friends of mine. I think they called out, look, Trump's not a conservative. He's an authoritarian narcissist. Um, So I think history will be kind to those people who saw what was happening and called it out, even though it was at the expense of their personal well-being. That was Donald Trump's Republican ally there when he first came into office in 2017. Ryan and McConnell. All those guys putting on a smiley face. Yeah, we're here to work with Trump. Listen to these people now. You talk about the truth being exposed. Yeah, I mean, Liz Cheney and Kinzinger. History is going to be very kind to them. Trump, he's a dictator. He's a narcissist. He's not a Republican. He's not a conservative. That's the guy that works at the Fox board, by the way. Fox News. He's the one. He's yet another rhino. Right in step with the Murdoch family. You, you look at, that's, wasn't he Speaker of the House when Trump came in? So that was, that was what Trump had to work with. It's a wonder he got anything done, truthfully. He's going up against, well, what does 2 Kings 14 say? There's no helper. There's no helper. My father says in the ready for war issue, January trumpet, that uh, you've got all these forces aligned against Trump, and then there's Trump standing virtually alone. If you haven't subscribed, by the way, the 800 number, one 930 Become a Trumpet subscriber today. Trump's standing in the party was shaken after the 2022 elections when Republicans underperformed. Well, even this is overblown, but that was part of the narrative. Yeah, there wasn't the big red wave. 
So, uh, so it must be that Trump is like a cancer in the party. Remember how, how giddy with delight Scarborough and company were the next day after midterms? That, that election just took, uh, just took the election day, by the way. It didn't take seven days. <laughs> it didn't take the entire week. But leave that aside. Trump, I mean, he was a pariah in the party. He was the cancer. He was the reason Republicans didn't have a stronger showing. So he has no chance. He has no chance as the Republican nominee. He has no chance in the general. That's what we were told. It says here, in 2016, Trump was often reduced to citing drudge polls and other dubious sources to try to demonstrate uh, what he's always maintained is his overwhelming public support. This time around, he can cite the most reputable polls in the business. His polling's so much better than 2016. That's the point. Politico, that's the point Politico's making. It says here, the Biden collapse, listen to this conclusion, the Biden collapse is nearly comprehensive. He's losing in ballot tests to Trump. His approval rating is scraping bottom. He's trailing on almost every top issue. And supermajorities think he's too old to serve again. He's the weakest incumbent since Jimmy Carter and George H. W. Bush. <laughs> so says Politico. So some of the others in the regime media, they can try to prop him up all that they want. But they are lying. And audiences are laughing. Listen to this from Morning Joe, clip tw uh, 10. And you know, the new thing on Fox is uh, Joe Biden hasn't accomplished anything. They just can't think of anything he's accomplished. That'll be the line. Well, so, uh, oh Joe, God, Joe, don't even all, start all on Joe that. Biden's accomplished is well. Um, I mean, more bipartisan legislation than any president since probably LBJ. Bipartisan legislation and uh, more job growth uh, than any president uh, in, in, in ages. Uh, he's doing better economically in, in every area, uh, except for Donald Trump, save inflation. That's because we came out of COVID and, and those numbers are going down now. And I hear this all the time. Joe Biden's ruining America. He's ruining the economy. Oh, is he really? Record highs, Willie. Record highs. Record highs. If you're talking about inflation, okay. Or prices at the, at the grocery store, yes. Yes, indeed. If you're talking about home prices, oh yeah. If you're talking about the cost for a new home, the monthly payments for a new home, yes, record highs. You're right about that. There they are. There they are lying. They're lying. Even Politico acknowledges that the Biden collapse has been nearly comprehensive. That's how bad it is. <laughs> nearly comprehensive. Listen to, uh, to the morning meltdown again, explaining how lowering the cost of living, you know, that, that really may not be such a good thing to, to lower the costs. This is clip nine. So we definitely did have a lot of inflation moving through the system, which did raise food prices to a permanent level. And I think we, you may be uh, obliquely referring to a point that I'd also just like to mention, which is that something like two thirds of the people who are going to vote next year 
were not voting 30 years ago, the last time we had inflation over 4%. They've never seen inflation like this. So this comes as a shock to them. And they, some of them at least kind of expect prices to then go back down again to where they were before. That doesn't happen. We, and in fact, deflation is actually kind of a bad thing. And so you, people just have no experience with this and they're trying to wrap their minds around it and they're taking it out on President Biden, uh, which is not entirely fair at all. What a wonderful message. Yeah, prices can't go down. Once they go up, they're not going to go down. And if, if they did go down, I mean, then it's deflation, and that's a bad thing. Vote Biden! Okay! You think Americans are listening to that? Listening to that drivel and saying, yeah, I can, this is, a, this is an administration I can get behind. Trump, for his part, he's out on the stump saying, hey, we got to drill, baby, drill. We got to close the border. We've, we've got to drill. We've got to be energy independent. We've got to be energy dominant and bring prices down. Listen to Joy Reid as she explains why inflation is as bad as, as it is. Clip two. But even with inflation cooling, you may be asking yourself, when you're out shopping or at the grocery store, why are prices so much higher than they were pre-pandemic? especially as companies are raking in massive multi-billion dollar profits. Well, the answer could be a little something called greedflation. The idea that corporations are essentially raising prices above inflation so they could make more money. Greedflation. Yeah, it's all the, the corporate big guys. The corporate world, they're the ones. It's corporate greed. That's what's causing all this. It's just, you know, the guys heading up these big corporations saying that, hey, let's, let's raise prices. Let's really stick it to the American people. Has nothing, in other words, has nothing whatever to do with Joe Biden or Joe Obama. That's, uh, that's a little bit from the regime media, as I said at the top. It's nice, it's nice finally to see some of this truth finally begin to see the light of day, <laughs> to see audiences just laugh out loud at a CNN an anchor or a CNN host who thinks that she's fact-checking Vivek. You are listening to Stephen Florian. This is the Trumpet Daily. When we come back, we will conclude today's show with our Bible study segment. If you'd like to email the show, you can reach us, td at thetrumpet.com. We'll be right back. Freedom is one of the most sought-after ideals in human history. Man's search for freedom has taken him into the fiercest of protests, struggles, revolutions, civil wars, and even world wars. Today, in the midst of free societies, many continue to fight for what they perceive as ever greater freedoms. And yet, many of these same people are actively fighting against law. Few people understand that this war against law actually undermines true freedom. To learn more, request Gerald Flurry's booklet, No Freedom Without Law. In this free booklet, you will see what the Bible says about the latter-day spirit of rebellion and lawlessness that is now so common in our nations today. Also request America Under Attack. In this booklet, you will learn more about the spirit behind this attack on law. 
you'll see where this is leading. Both booklets are offered freely at no cost or obligation to you. Request No Freedom Without Law and America Under Attack. Email your request to td at kpcg.fm or visit thetrumpet.com. Over the weekend, my father gave a message on, uh, well, the end of it, he really did emphasize how we need to bring peace into our hearts, bring the, the Prince of Peace into our lives. That's, uh, that's mentioned over in uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Let's notice here how peace is brought into any, any endeavor. It says in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and the name, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince, the Prince of Peace. Notice verse 7, it says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. You see the two tied together here, that is government and peace, because it takes God's family government to bring peace. It does take government and authority, organization, structure. I mentioned, I'm not sure if it was on this show or in class, it must have been class, as we went through 1 Corinthians 14 and talked about how that God is the author He's not the author of confusion. He's the author of orderliness, decency, and order, it says there in that passage. And and how does God establish and maintain that orderly, peaceful environment? Well, it's by ruling the family. Soon he's going to rule the world with a rod of iron, it says. That's government. That's authority. There's going to be no increase in the growth of God's family, there's going to be no, there, sorry, there will be ever-increasing growth. There, there will be no end to it. No end to, to the growth of peace as well. And all because of God's family government. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end, it says, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom uh, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. And then the last part of verse 7 I want to emphasize here. It says, The zeal of the eternal of hosts will perform this. My father mentioned how government and peace are joined together, as they should be. Uh, But for the rest of our Bible study segment, I just want to emphasize this aspect of godly zeal God's zeal is what brings about this uh, earthwide, eventually universe-wide transformation. The zeal of God performs this. If you look at that word zeal, whether you study into the Hebrew writings or the Greek, you'll find that it's used usually in two different ways. That They're related, I suppose. But first, it can be translated jealous or envious. And there's scriptures like in Exodus uh, 34, I believe, that talk about God being a jealous God. 1 Corinthians uh, 11, I think it is, also mentions that. 
where Paul talks about the simplicity of godly things, the simplicity of God's truth. And he mentions there, you know, I'm jealous over you. If you look at the other definition, the other way that that, that word zeal is, uh, is used, it refers to a passionate or burning, fiery devotion to a cause. I mean, God is really, he is devoted, he is passionately devoted to this purpose and plan that's unfolding before us. He's reproducing himself. I mean, it's revealed right there in Genesis 1 and verse 26. And God in his godly zeal, he will perform this. He will bring all of this about. And at the same time, I mean, he really is trying to build within us this burning zeal for fulfilling his will, for finishing his work, for carrying out his purpose and plan. And in this day and age, I mean, it's a, it's a message, it's an admonition we need to hear often because of just how much indifference and apathy there is. Except for, you know, spreading filth. When you look at the way, particularly in Israelite nations, the way we spread or declare even our sins, we declare them as Sodom, said the prophet Isaiah. That's about the only time you see passion and zeal. It's obviously misguided. We'll get into that if we have time. If not today, maybe tomorrow. But there is such a thing as zeal, but that's not according to knowledge, as Paul said. But in the case of God, I mean, his zeal is for promoting his way of life, carrying out his purpose and plan, reproducing his character and nature in us. He's, God is certainly not ho-hum about that purpose, about those responsibilities. Notice Isaiah 59 and verse 7, uh, or sorry, verse 17. I'll read this from the Amplified Version. But Isaiah 59 and verse 17, and we've, we've actually taken you through this, uh, this chapter quite often on this program because the first part of the chapter just goes into everything that's wrong with our world, everything that's wrong with society. There's just pe people run to do evil. I mean, that, that basically, the first part of this chapter is about uh, human zeal, the zeal to engage in and to promote sin. And throughout the chapter, the prophet says there's no truth. People are casting truth to the ground. There's no justice. There's no judgment. There's no peace. There's just a passion or a zeal to promote lawlessness. But then it gets down to speaking about Jesus Christ, who's returning to this earth. Read the last part of Isaiah 59, the first part of Isaiah 60. Where it says, the Redeemer shall come. He's coming back. And notice how he's described here in verse 17. It says, for he, Christ, put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. That's actually the King James. The, the last bit there in the uh, Amplified Version says, he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and covered himself with zeal and furious divine jealousy as a cloak. 
zeal, furious, divine jealousy. It speaks of God uh, uh, putting on garments of vengeance. I mean, that sounds pretty hardcore. Is this, is this the true God? And the answer is, it certainly is. This is God wielding his authority. You can see at the end of Revelation 11 that when Christ returns to this earth, the nations of this world are not going to welcome him. They're not going to say, yeah, come right on in and rule the world. They're going to fight against him. God has to come back with vengeance. And then he's got zeal to go with it to carry out this plan and purpose for man, which includes all of mankind, which opens the way to his family, God's family, to everyone who's ever lived. How zealous are you for this plan and purpose that is unfolding? 6,000 years of human civilization cut off from the tree of life. You can read about it right at the end of Genesis 3. And then the Redeemer comes. And then Jesus Christ returns. And then this earth will experience a rest from sin. A rest from sin, but there will be a zeal for obedience toward God. A zeal for true repentance and change. How zealous are you for these things of God? There's so many wonderful examples of zeal, godly zeal, in the, the Holy Bible. I'll take you through one of them. This is, this is over in Numbers um, chapter 25. It's a story that uh, I can remember well as a youth, just looking at this example, thinking, wow, <laughs> you talk about hardcore. This is the way... This is the way God removes sin from the camp? This is intense. This is zealous. This is Numbers 25 and verse 3. It says, And, and Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Eternal was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Eternal against the sun, that the fierce anger... Here's some of that, uh, that vengeance that God has on like a garment. It says, And the, that the fierce anger of the Eternal may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay you, every one, his man that were joined unto Baal Peor. So you want to go off and venture into idolatry, the idolatry practiced in these surrounding nations? Fine, but we're going to put you to death. We're going to remove the sin. We're going to eliminate the division. No compromise. Verse 6, it says, And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So, the camp was just being purged of all of this sin. And then in waltzes this Israelite with a Midianitish woman, brazenly, I mean, just blatantly, brazenly disregarding the commandments of God, just defiantly shaking his fist at God, doing what he thought was right in his eyes. It says here, And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, 
he rose up from among the congregation and he took a javelin in his hand. Verse 8, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and he thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Here they were in the act and Phineas thrust, he thrust this javelin right through both of them. It says, so the plague was stayed from the children of Israel, and those that died in the plague were 20 and 4,000. So again, you can look at that and say, boy, I don't know, that just seems too intense. That seems hardcore to me. That's, that's taking it a little bit overboard. Now these Israelites of old, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Moses said they just didn't have a heart. <clears throat> They didn't have, they weren't converted to the truth like Moses and the leaders were. And so God was, I mean, these are for us. These examples are for our learning and benefit. 1 Corinthians 10 says that. And in the spiritual sense, this is the way we want to be with respect to sin. We want to grab the, the javelin and, and, and remove it, kill it. Read through Romans 6 and see how often Paul says that with respect to baptism and putting away the old man, I mean, you're burying the old man. You're crucifying the, the old self. You're putting to death those ways of sin. Now it takes a, a life of conversion to complete that process. And God is patient with us. Much, much more so than, he, than we're deserving anyway. Just carry on in this same passage. It's a short little chapter, Numbers 25. And I want for you to see and to appreciate God's perspective with respect to uh, what Phineas did there. Verse 10, it says, And the Eternal spoke unto Moses, saying, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consume not the children of Israel in my jealousy. There's one of the ways that uh, the word zeal can be used or translated. God was upset. God was jealous. The, this wife was being unfaithful. The wife that was Israel, I mean. The Israelites, they were married to the God of the Old Testament, to the one who would become Jesus Christ. And here's one individual, Phineas. After one act, I mean, it kind, of, it kind of calmed God down a little bit. God said, you know, I really applaud Phineas's zeal. It says in verse 12, Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace. God blessed this man, his household, with the covenant of peace. These actions that God took initially, that Phineas took in the middle part of the chapter, this is what it took to bring peace to the Israelite camp, to the congregation in the wilderness. Sometimes it, it takes aggressive, zealous action from a leader, from maybe a father, from a minister, from an administrator, to make sure that the environment is peaceful and orderly. How's peace going to grow if any and all behavior is tolerated, including sinful lawlessness? 
in, including rebellion or idolatry. That, that's, that sin spreads. That's why the Bible compares sin to leaven. Because it so quickly just leavens the, the whole lump, the whole loaf. And God says, look, have the zeal to remove it. Verse 13, it says, And he shall have it and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because Phineas was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. In the, in the spiritual sense, how zealous are we for our God? How zealous are we for God's work? How, there's a lot to be said for wholeheartedness as part of this study as well. It says that about Joshua and others in the Old Testament, that when they put their heart into it, they were all in. David, David, after his sin, was exposed. I mean, he repented wholeheartedly. He put away his sins. He showed, and tomorrow, as I say, I'll tie this in more closely with repentance, because true repentance really does fill our hearts and minds with godly zeal, quite unlike the kind of zeal that you see in the world today. There's a verse in Romans 12, 11, where it says not to be slothful in business. So true Christians were commanded to work and to work hard and to be productive. Six days you shall work, and then you observe the seventh day, Sabbath. It says that right there in the Ten Commandments. But in that verse in Romans 12, right after it says, don't, don't be slothful in business, Paul goes on to say, be fervent in spirit, in serving the Lord. Be fervent. There's another verse that says, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. God wants us, even in our prayer closets, to just pour our hearts into this relationship with him. In truth, that's where godly zeal begins. It begins with effectual, fervent prayers. We'll carry on with this study on uh, tomorrow's show, because today's show is over. That's all we have time for on this episode of The Trumpet Daily. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and as I say, this is The Trumpet Daily. Thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.